Hello and welcome back to FinalWhistle.ie for Season 2 of The Rugby Show. As always, we have a stacked show coming your way this evening. Tonight, I'll be joined by AIL expert Kieran Noble to take a look at this weekend's opening fixtures and also by Dermot Kearney to review all of the action in the women's AIL. I'll also be joined by Shannon, Director of Rugby and a long-term friend of the show, Pat Brown, as well as Leinster and Wicklow fullback Ella Roberts to discuss her meteoric rise over the past few seasons. So now I'm joined by Pat Brown. Pat, welcome back to the Rugby Show. Thanks, Luke. Delighted to be here. Well, uh, the last time I was speaking to you um, was straight after that 1B final win over Nace. And I think that there was a, a couple of sore heads around Shannon then. Um, how have things been since? Uh, yeah, there was, uh, I think, five successive days, not by me, but by uh, uh, a cohort that uh, they celebrated long and hard. Uh, but, you know, a couple of weeks off and then straight back into it again to get ready for this season. And um, obviously now with being promoted to 1A, uh, you've had quite a lengthy pre-season, as you'd call it. And is preparation maybe a lot different to how it was last summer? Um, it, no, I think you can get caught up in that. It's, 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 it's the same thing. Obviously, um, the, everything goes up about 20, 30 percent in terms of um the opposition you're facing and that and I think as a group we said off the pitch and on the pitch we need to raise our game uh, so in terms of that the preparation is slightly different but in terms of getting ready for a season everything is, is pretty much the same our SNC or I mean our squad has been together for so long um, that I think I was working it out earlier on I think there's of uh, the, the the current senior squad well over 60% uh, of them have won a experience with Shannon so that's how long they've been together yeah, and obviously with going up, you do need to sometimes look elsewhere for players and introduce them to the squad. And has there been much of that done um, in Shannon over the past couple of months? Yeah, we've um, we've really strengthened um, uh, the squad in terms of uh, Mike Cook, who uh, would have represented Ireland under 18s, um, Ealing and uh, London Irish. He's an old half. He came in. He's uh, he's over in UL studying. Uh, the Hurley brothers, Daniel and John. But I think they've, they've come in from all crazy. But I think the most exciting thing for us is the development uh, through our under-20s into our senior panel. So we have the likes of Owen McCormack, Keena Holleran, who played with Munster A last week, uh, Josh Costello, who played with Munster A last week as well, Paddy Hassett and Harry, Harry Long. They will all feature for us this season. Um, they're really talented, really exciting. And they have they have taste of um, uh, underage representative rugby as well. Um, they've really good uh, schools careers, but we're really excited about them. So I think we have this thing that we're trying to do. It's it's called Shannon twenty 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 two, and it's basically it's it's an aspirational thing. But that you know, within a couple of years, all twenty two in an AAL match day will have come through at least the under twenties in Shannon that we produce our own players, and that's what we're striving towards. So that I think, in addition to the to the recruits that we've gotten in, it's the promotion from our under twenties and our underage. Uh, of our own players that's the most exciting thing and apart from let's say recruiting during the summer and I, I think a lot of us know what goes on with with the pre-season with the rugby or whatever but for uh, from a culture of a director of rugby standpoint what goes on in them few months and, and they must be vital to, to shaping the season ahead well the initial thing is the review I mean you know we had to park the celebrations and literally the review started that week uh, in terms of from top to bottom uh, what went well, what we need to change. Uh, so we literally sat down, myself, the rugby committee, we sat down with everybody from Pat and Stephen, all the coaching staff, to our medical staff, uh, our SNC staff, our management, 
the players uh, just to get a feel for what we did. We actually then decided to look at what we did last time we went into 1A. And I think the general consensus was that the squad depth wasn't there, that we got a lot of injuries. We were flying up to Christmas. Uh, teams found us out in the second half of the season. We maybe needed to tweak what we were doing a bit. We didn't. Um, and in terms of our player pool, it wasn't it wasn't what it should have been. So I think we've strengthened that this time. So I think we're better equipped. And you're obviously entering a hugely competitive division uh, with quality throughout everywhere. And first game of the season, um, facing Terran Yor, doesn't get much tougher last season's runners up. Um, what's the what's the feeling like for you now, even even talking about Saturday's game? So excited! I mean, uh, Terran Yor, like if you know. The, the final with, with Clontarf last season was incredible. Um, and all season long, you know, I've watched them. They were brilliant. They were very well coached. Uh, they have a super team, um, serious talent all across the pitch and off the bench. They don't have weaknesses. Um, but that's that's the challenge. That's why we were involved in rugby. And we're Shannon. We won't shirk from any challenge. Uh, we, 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 we meet it head on. We're so excited. Um, of course, there's you know you've Luke Clossy playing with them. Luke, I would have coached him in Orts and in Shannon. Uh, Simon Malone is coaching there. Uh, Simon's a former Shannon player. So look, we've played with a friendly rivalry. Simon's been texting me all summer anyway. As soon as the fixtures came out, he couldn't wait. So uh, yeah, we're very excited about Saturday. And look, you you really want to challenge yourself against the best. And first out, you know we can have no illusions about where we are after Saturday. Um, you know we'll either sink or swim hopefully we'll, we'll swim and you mentioned there that you, you don't want to shy away and, and that you won't shy away from from any match um but in terms of maybe targets for the season what would you maybe see as a a good starting season back in in 1a obviously uh, uh staying up is is everybody's goal uh but for us <clears throat> i mean again i you know i don't want to sound arrogant or, or you know we're shannon and our mentality is always that no matter what we enter, we want to win it. Um, so I think for any team in one a, if you, if you don't aim to win or to be top four, you know, challenging for it, well then you're already uh, at a loss. So for us, that's that's what we're challenging for. Uh, we want to be top four. We want to be in the, the the business end of it. And you know, we will have slip ups, but it's it's uh, it's Division One A AIL. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So it's it's you know getting the balance right um, trying to get the squad right uh, and just trying to just you know every match be competitive be competitive that's that's all we want absolutely and one thing that um, a lot of people around the seen have been looking forward to, to seeing is this inside the aisles um documentary that that's due to be released very soon uh, you let cameras in for the final eight games of the season and how, how did that really come uh, come about yeah. uh uh, Mark Howard uh, from Prison Digital, who does all, all our social media, and Katie McCusty, our PRO, they have been exceptional. They have set the standard for what um, uh, is done in terms of, uh, you know, promoting the club and, and stuff like that. And they came to us with with, the, with this idea. And initially, I was like, "Oh, cameras in the dressing room, you know, giving away secrets and stuff." And we were a bit skeptical. And but Mark is very persuasive, and his work is incredible it's it's such the highest quality uh so we relented um and you know what it i i've seen i've seen a good bit of it i think it's going to be released in around the break after the cons game which is the 15th um actually we have a, a, a dinner dance that night i think it's going to be 
um, an annual dinner dance is going to be, you know, that's the first airing of it. Uh, obviously, Stephen Kyo has already said that he has total editorial rights on it, that he's going to cut whatever makes him look bad, uh, which is probably most of it. Um, but uh, yeah, look, it's it's weird, but it's it's the next step in trying to pro progress that whole side of, um, you know, trying to bring sponsors in, trying to bring members in, uh, you know, trying to, 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 to sell the product. I mean, the IRFU are brilliant uh, at, at, you know, allowing us to piggyback with them and vice versa. And it's just another vehicle for showing, you know, the way things happen in the league. Um, uh, you know, it's, I, I've seen it. It's, it's not disrespectful to anyone. Um, bar Andrew Mack dancing around the dugout in Mary's after that trying in, but he does apologise in the video. I don't want to give too much of it away, but he does apologise to them and everyone else. Just getting caught up in the emotion of it. But it's 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 very good. Um and it is it's a great insight into what happens in the dressing room and the level of commitment and preparation and detail that actually goes into rugby at this level. And is there plans to continue that throughout maybe this season coming or was it maybe just one of them things for the pot for the last few games, or are you planning on, on doing it again this year? No, focus this year is purely on one A. Um, we look at it again, maybe down the line. Uh, but for now, uh, it, it was a it was a nice distraction last season. But no, it's all about rugby now. Yeah, and obviously uh, in the last couple of weeks, there was an emerging Ireland squad released um, a number of, of Shannon players uh, in a Jake Flannery, Thomas Ahern, Roman Salanoa, and Antoine Frisch. Uh, how good is that for uh, for the club to see players being recognised on, on that international stage? It's fantastic. I mean, well, Anton uh, is literally he's come in and you know he 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 joined us, but he he's already told us that he wants to immerse himself in the club. You know, he wants to be out with the underage, which is amazing. It's fantastic. In terms of, uh, for Jake and, and Roman, uh, lads who come into the club who may not have, have grown up in the club, they bought into it straight away. Uh, you know, and Jake's family are a huge part of it. Alan is still playing um, and is central to everything we do. And But for us to see them progressing is just absolutely phenomenal. And the same with Thomas. Thomas came into us at 18 years of age, uh, about four or five years ago, uh, and bought in. Uh, into the club, you know, he played through 20s into the senior team. Um, granted, he didn't play that many games because of obviously COVID and then he stellarized through Munster. But uh, it's great for us, but it's also great for the clubs, you know, that they came from uh, originally. So I think everybody benefits from it, but it's great to see, uh, you know, grassroots, grass, grassroots uh, level rugby being uh, recognized. Unfortunately, the timing could be better. That's the only thing I'll say on that. I mean, it's not helpful that it's uh, at the start of the AIL uh, and it does have a knock-on effect with the clubs. And uh, just kind of on that issue, was that something that was maybe mentioned to you beforehand or did you kind of realise when when just when the squad was announced? Are we kind of preparing for that all over pre-season? Mm -hmm. uh, no, we heard, kind of heard of it when everybody else heard about it. No, I have to say, uh, just on that subject, that um, Munster and uh, Ian Costello in particular have been incredible uh, in the way that they communicate with us uh, in terms of planning out the season and uh, game time and, and training for the players that are, that are involved with us and with them. Um, so I, I cannot knock them. They are absolutely incredible. And uh, in terms of as long as I've been involved in Shannon, it's the best that we've we've ever had that, that relationship with Ian. Pat, thank you so much for joining us tonight and all the best for the season ahead and the match against Heron York. Thanks, Luke. Thank you very much.
I'll now be joined by Kieran Noble, um, our AIL expert, to discuss the upcoming round one fixtures. Kieran, welcome to the show. I just think you're on mute, Kieran. Oh, yeah. sorry. There we go. Uh, all good to be back. Yeah, I'm delighted to be back. So we're back for season two, anyway, <laughs> and we we have a lot of stuff to get through. We the AIL is back all five season or all five divisions, I should say, and where else to yeah. start apart from Division One A? Um, we saw an amazing finish to the season last year with Clontarf beating Terenure. Um And I was just wondering, how do you feel like uh, the season might go? Well, I think Terenure, based on what I've heard pre-season-wise, they, they look really serious. And I think they'll be going straight for it this year, to be honest. They'll be looking to, they'll be looking to win it this time around. And I think that's a major focus for them. Like, listening to Shannon and, you know, Shannon couldn't have, I don't know, it's probably a good thing that you play Terenure at the start, like what was said, you know, because it kind of gives you that indication of where you are and where you want to get to. But I think it's a big ask for Shan to play Terenure in that first game. Um, they have home advantage, which could help them. Uh, I think if they could beat Terenure, it would be massive, like just for confidence-wise and to kick on for the rest of the year. But I really think that Terenure are... I really do think they'll go for it this year. And they will be up there again. Them, Clontarf, Corcon, I think, were kind of underperformed last year for the most part. I think they'll come good again. They've got plenty of Munster lads in the coaching setup, Duncan Williams. And I think Hickey's in there as well. He was the assistant coach for Munster when they won the Heineken Cup back in 06, I think. So they've got a fantastic coaching lineup, you know. Um, so Corcon will be there, thereabouts. Then with Trinity and UCD, you never really know where they're, you know, it depends what young lads are playing. And with this Emerging Ireland tour, like, I wouldn't say I'm not a fan of it. Like, it, it is good, but, like, it, the timing of it is strange and it'll have a massive effect for the provinces, which then will funnel down to the clubs, you know, like, because players will have to get called up. It, it won't affect Leinster so much. Leinster will be all right. They've got about 50 lads in the in the line, like, you know, they have the conveyor belt. But, like, for the likes of Munster, Connacht and Ulster, you will see it's going to affect them massively, I think. And it will then affect the AIL clubs. So, it's it's a bit of a strange decision to have it when they're having it. I get what they're trying to do with the World Cup coming up and everything and trying to blood new players and try and give them game time. But it is pretty strange. And I think it will have an effect for some clubs. And it'll be interesting interesting to see who it affects the most really and obviously with the fixtures just flashing across your screen there another huge game which is just hopping out with us is Cork Con against Young Munster and a, a big rivalry to start the season and how do you see that one going well last year Young Munster beat Cork Con in round two I think it was uh, Young Munster beat Con and then Young Munster were doing really well at the start and Cork Con actually lost their first three games last season which I think, like, they were playing, I think it was Lansdowne they had away, then they had Young Munster at home, and then it was Cork, uh, it was um, Clontarf away. And, you know, they're three very tough games to start your season. But I think losing three games in a row, it's probably not, it's probably not what you want to do, like, starting the season. So this year, I think it is very important for them to hit the ground running. And I think they can really do that against Young Munster. And I do think it'll be a competitive game, but I can't see Cork Con coming out on top with that one. Um, Jack Crowley is a is another example of somebody who probably would have been playing for them this weekend, but of course he's on the 
emerging Ireland tour. So yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do. But I think Con will be good again this year. I'm not saying they weren't good last year. I just think for the standards, the really high standards they've set in recent times, they probably wouldn't have been happy with only be coming fourth and losing in the semi-finals. So I do think, I do expect a lot from them this year. Um, in terms of Shannon, I think they've got, like, Shannon are the most decorated team in the area. They've got, like, nine titles. And then you look at the history of them, like Anthony Foley, Alan Quinlan, all those guys. And it's like um, all or nothing, that documentary you're talking about. It's, <laughs> I'm surprised they haven't got the deal with that. Uh, prime but uh it sounds very similar but it sounds really good you know and i actually think their social media team i have no problem in saying this is the best in the entire ail by a by a country mile like just the way they do things and everything they do from graphics to videos like that that video of them when they won the 1b title and they were all singing it gave me it was spine tingling like it was amazing you know it showed everything that's good about the AIL and club rugby here in Ireland. So, yeah, I think I don't think Shannon will go down. I I don't know if they will quite have it in them to make the playoffs. Maybe, possibly. I'm not saying they won't. But I think they will stay up. And I think, you know, they'll have some big wins in the season. There will be twists and turns for them as well. Um, but, yeah, I think it could be interesting for them. It's obviously very hard right now to... To look at sides and say like they could be in trouble of going down but one side that maybe did perform um below standard was banner hinch last year and they did survive just by beating ucc in that uh relegation playoff do you see big improvements possibly coming from them or do you think that they could be one of them teams flirting with the drop zone it's hard to say really because like i was looking at previews earlier you know and it's really first game of the season you actually don't really know all you know is lansdowne are going to be really good because they always are Plantarf are going to be really good because they always are. Um, Cork Con and then from Taryn Yor, from what you've seen in preseason, like winning the Leinster uh, League trophy thing uh, that they won last week, like you know they're going to be really good. Um, yeah, I think they will struggle though. Like I do think Gary Owen will probably be there as well. I think they'll struggle a little bit. UCD and Trinity, you never really know. One of them usually does really well, and the other one doesn't seem to do so well. Trinity were really, really unlucky not to make the top four last year. And UCD finished in eighth. Like, they didn't have a really good year. But it kind of just, it's like a, it's a bit of a roundabout with them. You know, one team does really well and the other doesn't. So, it'll be interesting to see how that goes this year. But, yeah, Gary Owen could be in the fight with Ballon Hinch, really, this year. Um, just for Lansdowne there, Sam Prendergast, who was involved with the Ireland under-20s in the summer, I expect him to play a lot more for the first this year. He's a fantastic player, Keen Prendergast's younger brother. I think him and Charlie Tector together could be could be dangerous. You know, I I presume that they're gonna put Charlie twelve and Sam ten because you'd want to play them both. Like, but Sam could go on and be a full Ireland international. Like he he is that talented, you know, and he's someone that I'd really look out for if you're at a Lansdowne game. Like he can do special special things with the ball. So. I think Lansdowne will be up there. They always are. But Sam Prendergast is definitely a name to watch out for. Yeah, and they really have talent in abundance. And then moving down to Division 1B, last year, I think maybe midway through the season, everyone would have put all their money on Old Wesley to win it. But they ended up making a top four and being knocked out in the semi-final by Nace. Um, do you see them um, contesting on all fronts again this year? And and if not, who, who do you think can, uh, can push for them places to go up? Yeah, it's funny. I was 
in Greystones a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to somebody, you know, about the way the playoff worked, worked last year and they were saying, well, Greystones finished top. We were savage all season and then we lost the final and didn't go up. It was the most stupidest thing ever, the fella said to me. And like I was thinking, well, imagine how old Wesley felt. They were literally beating everybody, destroying the whole league. And then it got to the semi-final and they just got caught out in the day. Like, But they deserved to go up. Like, I'm not saying Shannon didn't, but, you know, in a, in a fair world, they should have both went up, really, thinking about it. But, yeah, Wesley were outstanding last year. I do expect them, like, them and Highfield will be up there again, like they have been, you know, for the last few years. And I do think they will be again. Actually, something I'm not, I don't actually know if it's, it's not been confirmed, but I heard in Greystones Rugby Club the other week that Ben Murphy might have went back to Clontarf. I don't know if that's true or not, but if he's left, that is a loss for them. I do think he was very good last season when he played. So I don't, and he's with Emerge, on the Emerging Ireland tour now as well. He got called up at the weekend. But it'll be interesting to see if that's true or not, if he is going back to Clontarf. Um, I wouldn't be surprised because he was actually at Clontarf when he started after school. And then I think he went to Old Wesley after that. But that'll be interesting. I think Old Belvedere and St. Mary's, that's a massive game this week in 1B. Because I think they're both teams that, when they want to, they can be right up there. And I think whoever wins that game can really push on, you know, this early in the season and kind of, you know, keep rising. Nice were probably the surprise package it wouldn't be last year. Um, to get in that fourth spot and get to a final surprised a lot of people. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a mix of youth and experience, I suppose, in that team. Johnny Murphy is a really good coach as well at school level and at, at the club, you know. So I think he'll have big big plans this year. And then you've got uh, Eddie O'Sullivan coaching the books this year. And after them coming up, Eddie obviously coached Ireland, so he has rakes of experience. It'll be interesting to see what he can do for them. Like uh, Eddie was probably probably doesn't get the credit he deserves in terms of being when he was Irish coach. Okay, he didn't win a lot, but we were always consistently there thereabouts, you know, second place or whatever. And you know, Eddie despite that bad World Cup campaign we had in 07, Eddie was a pretty good coach, you know, and I think he'll bring a lot to Buccaneers this year in their fight to stay up in 1B. And, uh, yeah, I think it, 1B is always so competitive, even more competitive than 1A, because I think a lot of the teams are of on a similar level, you know, and it really just depends on form a lot of the time, you know. Yeah, and then moving down, obviously Buccaneers gained promotion after beating Queen's University in the playoff final. And similar enough to Old Wesley, they had almost blitzed the league campaign. And then when it when it came to that final, they ended up losing to them. Um, and then do you think that maybe that loss in that final could have a knock-on effect to this year with Queen's and obviously with Navin going down from 1B, um, that there's a, a host of teams that could potentially go up? Yeah, 2A is very similar as well. Like, I always say that 1B, 2A, 2B are all kind of similar. Like, it, they're all the teams are similar in quality, I always feel. Like, it, it could just be a bounce of a ball. It could just be form on the day. Like, I don't think it's it's really hard to predict, really, what's going to happen. Like, Queens are, as you said, uh, another great example, you know, of a team that probably should have went up, deserved to go up. And I think they got beat at the very end of the game or something last year. Like, it was... I think, yeah, I think it was some, they actually basically won the game. I can't remember exactly what, what happened, but yeah, they pretty much had went up and then they lost it at the very end, which is heartbreaking, really, you know. 
but Queens, yeah, they'll be looking to go for it again. But sometimes it's it's strange in these situations. You know, if you have a big loss like that at the last moment in the game, sometimes, not always, it can have a knock-on effect and, you know, it can really carry into the next season. So that's really important for the likes of Queens and Wesley just to forget about it. Just, just forget about the fact you nearly got promoted or should have got promoted. You have to just, you know, wipe the slate clean and go again and, yeah, two A is going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I know more about two B, I suppose, but two A always seems very competitive. And yeah, I couldn't really tell you who's going to go up. Anybody could really. And obviously, one of the teams that came up from Division Two B was was Blackrock College, and it was that late Matthew Duan try in pretty much the the last minute of the game, which which ended Greystone's hope of of two A rugby. And do you think Blackrock College uh, a very good coaching panel there? Um, and obviously a very strong squad. Do you think that they could have the potential to to push some of them two A sides and maybe potentially uh, even find themselves promoted for a second year on a trot? Yeah, you know it happened with Navin a few years ago. I think they won two B and then they won two A. They went on consecutive promotions anyway, so it can happen. You know, like it's not it's not impossible. And I do think it's all going back to that kind of quality gap. There isn't a massive jump. So I think, you know, if BlackRock got in a good run of form, who's to say they couldn't go up again? Yeah. Like so. and, then, and then moving down to Division 2B, Rainy Old Boys obviously were, were relegated from 2A. But when you when you do look at the teams there, it, it is potentially the most competitive division. And it certainly was last year. There was a, a lot of quality in the division. You've great stones who came so agonizingly close to going up, and then you've teams like Galway Corinthians, Belfast Harlequins, Wanderers, and I think Malahide will obviously improve a lot this year as well. Yeah, I think with 2B, it's really interesting because a few weeks ago I went to Greystones for the semi final of the Leinster Division 2 competition, and Wanderers fairly hammered Greystones that day, like they fairly put it to them. But Wanderers will definitely be there, thereabouts this year without a shadow of a doubt. And Greystones didn't really play that well the other week. But they're in the early stages, obviously, of a new coaching setup there. Um, Dan Kenny, I think, is player coach for the year, which is interesting, like, how, how that is going to work, you know. And they've had Kevin there for so long, you know. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they adapt to that. And when I saw the back line in their game against Wanderers, I was kind of wondering, Is I think they're just waiting for players to come back, if you get me. Like, I don't think it was the proper backline that we'll see for the rest of the year. But I do think they'll be up there, there, thereabouts. They always are, you know. But for them, it's about consistency. Like, sometimes they play... I've said this last year a lot, last season. Like, they play really good throughout the season. But when it comes down to it, sometimes they fall off. So they have to kind of manage that, I think. But a big thing this weekend is you've got... They're playing Enniscorti. So Enniscorti are just after coming up. And Greystones arguably should have went up. So you've got two teams on the kind of different ends of the scale here. And if Enniscorthy could beat Greystones in Enniscorthy, which I don't think is a massive... It's not It's not like... I think it is possible. Like, I think Enniscorthy have probably been one of the teams... They come all the way from junior rugby, like, and they've been on a sensational run of form ever since they won that Towns Cup back in 2019, I think it was. Like, you know... So if Enniscorthy could beat Greystones, that would give them a massive boost, you know. Um, Belfast Harlequins are another team that I was really impressed with the back end of last season. I thought they were fantastic. I've seen them beat Greystones 
in Dr. Dr. Hickey Park one day, and I thought they were brilliant, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, Belfast Harlequins, Wanderers, Greystones, they'll all be there. I don't know a lot about Rainey, but you'd expect coming down from 2A that they'll be there, thereabouts as well. Malahoy could be. Enniscorthy, I think, will push hard. I think they'll stay up in 2B. I think their team, their club on the rise. And, yeah, I think it's going to be really competitive. I think Wanderers, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking six months down the line and Wanderers are in a semi-final or a final situation. I really think they will be, you know, they're thereabouts this year. Uh, it's just, but as we said last year, it's all about getting into the top four. It doesn't really, it doesn't really matter if you finish first, second, or like you know, once you're in there, you're in with a chance to go up or win the league. Like so, you know, that's what it's all about. Like, and for these teams, it's about managing the form. Like you don't, like you have to be able to be consistent all the way through the year and be able to deal with the highs and the lows because that's what always happens. Like. I prefer a few lows than winning all the time, and then when it comes down to it, losing like you know. So yeah. it's all about managing that, and yeah, I think two B and two A will be similar, similar levels, and I think they'll both be really entertaining, um, and very hard to call. Yeah, and and it's interesting with your point about wonders about perhaps that they they could be looking at a at a spot at the top end of the season, and if it wasn't for a couple of late tries that they conceded in consecutive games last year, I know that they conceded late to go with Corinthians, which lost the match and same with Belfast Harlequins. And those are the fine margins in these type of divisions. And I think also with, with Sligo, they're another side which do have a lot of potential. They were very good in the first half of last season and then went down on a bit of a, a downward spiral. But um, it's certainly a, a really, really a great looking division. And if you want to follow any AIL, I think that's, that could be one division that would definitely um, be very entertaining to watch. Yeah, it's, it's just a pity really, like you get the coverage for 1A and you get a bit of coverage for 1B, but there isn't a lot of reports out there online for the likes 2A, 2B or, or 2C. So it is a pity like that these divisions don't get more coverage in that sort of way, you know, because they are actually fascinating sometimes. E- equally fascinating as 1A, for example, or as entertaining, you know. So like these lads are, Killian Marmion is a real good example. Like he's unreal for Greystones. Like sometimes I watch him and I just can't believe what he's doing. Like so, you know, there is talent all the way from one A to two C, like which is great. And then even this debate, I don't know, this is a bit off topic, but you know the Sean O'Brien thing where he wanted to go back and play for Tullo. Like, you know, there's been a bit of debate. I know Bernard Jackman's wrote a column on it, you know, saying that he should have been allowed to play basically. And Leinster are kind of saying, well, you're not allowed. You have to wait two years before you can drop down to to junior rugby. Like Enniscorthy, we're probably hoping they would get him for the AIL this year. But I don't think that's going to happen. But in that, in that sense, I think they're maybe missing a trick. Like, you know, I think if Sean O'Brien was to play for Tullo, like it would be massive for the promotion of junior rugby. But yeah, I, I just think like, one a, Lens, Leinster League 1A and Leinster League 1B isn't massively different to AIL 2C or 2B. So I don't, I get what they're trying to say. Like a player like him can't be going down the leagues. But I think once you get to Leinster League 2A, things are completely different. But I think 1A and 1B are a good standard. So yeah, like all the divisions are kind of similar. And then when you get to 1A and 1B of the top leagues, they're like where you really know who the best teams are. But you know, it's, all similar enough standards here in Ireland and it's really competitive and it's really great to see as well. 
Yeah. And then just moving quickly down to Division 2C. Um, and I, this is a, a division that looks like maybe a lot more even now that Enes Gorty are gone. They were definitely a, a club that uh, were well capable of um, competing at that higher level. And we're going to see that this year. But the team that lost out to them in the final was Scaries. Um, and they face Ballina, the side relegated from Division 2B this week. Um, also Banger, Tullamore, Middleton, all sides that uh, that could put it up to them. Um, how do you see Division 2C possibly going? Yeah, that Scaries game and um, Ballina is pretty interesting because that's the team you expect coming down that will be really good in the division and then the team that could have went up if it wasn't for Scorty, like So that's a pretty good indicator of how things are going to go. Uh, Tullamore will be good, I think. They'll be there, thereabouts. In Estonians, it'll be interesting because that junior rugby, senior rugby debate, in Estonians coming up from junior rugby, obviously, um, beating Bechtov last year, I think it was a really close game in the playoff. But that'll be a really good indicator of what the gap is between junior rugby and senior rugby. Because... Um, you know, me now saying there isn't a massive difference between 1A and 2C. Maybe in Estonians will really struggle and I'll look like an idiot <laughs> in a few months' time. But I think, yeah, it's that it's another league that it's massively competitive. And I think Tullamore will be there, thereabouts. I think Scaries will definitely be there, thereabouts. They always kind of are. And I think Enniscorti just maybe had too much class for them last year when it came down to it. But they will be there, thereabouts. Balanau will be wanting to bounce back. And, you know, then you've got Oma Academicals who, if they can get it right, they can be up there too. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting. All the leagues will be interesting this year, really, because last year was kind of the first year back post-COVID, you know. Um, but now we've kind of got back into it a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's really hard at this point to, to say, because you don't know what way the teams are going to line out. And a lot of the times you don't know maybe who the teams have brought in and, and stuff like that, and then the, this Ireland Emerging Tour throws another thing into the hatch, you know, so it'll be, it's only really three or four weeks in that we'll really understand what way these leagues might be going, or who's in form and who's not in form, because a lot can happen in the space of five months, and we won't really know until a few weeks in, like, who who's looking good and who's not looking good, so I am a bit apprehensive, you know, to, but to predict anything serious here, you know, but I think, yeah, AIL is always really competitive and I think it's a great advert for rugby in Ireland. Um, the only pity is it probably doesn't get as much coverage as it should. Um, yeah, and I think the women's AIL is fantastic as well. Uh, I was in Belvedere on Saturday and I thought that was a brilliant match. So, like, I think, yeah, there's rugby. Rugby's back with a bang and I've really missed it and I think a lot of people around the country have. So, it's uh, it's great. Absolutely. And Kieran, uh, it's been great to have you back on the show and uh, for season two. And hopefully we can have a, another couple of episodes during the season to, to see how them little predictions are going. Absolutely. Thanks, Luke. Perfect. Cheers, Kieran. I'll now be joined by our women's AIL correspondent, Dermot Carmi, to review and preview all of the women's AIL games so far. Dermot, welcome to the rugby show. Luke, thanks for having me on. And obviously, two, three games pretty much played for most of the sides. Old Belvedere are sitting top with three wins from three. A good win over Setonians at the weekend. Um, how have you made the uh, how have you made the, uh, this kind of the division out so far? Who's impressed you? 
Um, I suppose it, it it's tough to to call it at the moment, Luke. I suppose we have if you look at the league table there, you the top four are fairly, fairly close in terms of the games played. You look at Railway Union and Black Rock, both of them have only got two games played, and they're only a couple of points behind Galwegians. And Galwegians are going to be kicking themselves that they couldn't get the win against Etonians um, a couple of weeks ago now. It was a game that they they were winning by a country mile at one stage. By halftime, it looked like it could be a cricket score of a second half. And then they completely had a meltdown in the second half. And as a result of it, they they probably should definitely be top if they had um, if they'd gotten the win in that game. But Belvedere, to their credit, they've been absolutely phenomenal. Dan O'Brien has been an absolute uh a find for them in terms of her ability she got of course her international call up earlier on in the summer with ireland and has definitely kicked them into the it kicked them in contention for a title place this year but i wouldn't be looking past railway union and black rock anyway it's it's hard to call so far from those top four teams who could be the the early title favorite i suppose exactly yeah and obviously last year they introduced the, the two sections the al with the top four being separated after christmas and then a conference table um being sorted out and it was galwegians who were actually defeated by setonians in that conference um playoff and i think do you think that that maybe is a good idea to be separating them so much and not to be playing um against maybe the top team so regularly i suppose it, it is for, for them i suppose to have that to have that experience of playing teams that are probably on your level, on your wavelength, I suppose, to have like, you know, the likes of Galwegians taking on Black Rock the next time we have fixtures in a, in, in a week's time. That's one of those fixtures that Galwegians will definitely be looking to claim an early scalp against a team like Black Rock to say, right, we're definitely here to, con- to continue the title. Ball and Colleague, you know, they're... They've had a tough, tough time of things this year so far. I mean, Railway Union ran in 14 tries against them at the weekend you know it's for for them it's 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 not great when they're going up against those teams and you're losing by 70 or 80 points on a weekend and you know they've i think it's like what 230 something points they've already conceded after three games that's that for them is going to knock their confidence as a team so i think when we do see those the top four teams going into the conference i suppose the competitive nature will come out and you know it'll give the likes of you know balancola can get those games in they can get those those minutes under their belts but you know what definitely for, for the league it, it was a great idea we saw it last year implemented well and hopefully this year it's going to be the same to be honest yeah and then obviously there was a, a huge loss this this season with, with malone dropping out and it does make the, the fixtures a lot more difficult there's always going to be a team that isn't playing at a certain weekend and it, do you maybe see it as a bit of a step back for the women's aal and obviously maybe true no fault of malone's but um but but they they had to drop out. And what was your kind of opinion on it? Yeah, when I, when I heard the the news break, I was kind of like, you know, we're only a couple of days out from round one of the season, and you know the fixtures were already down decided. They were meant to play that weekend. That game got cancelled. The team that they were going to be playing that weekend were down a fixture, so their season was moved by a week. And we've seen it since. Black Rock didn't have their game last week. They're now down to fourth in the table. They were one of the early title favourites. Now they're chasing the pack. Of course, they've had, well, they will, they will have two weeks off now because we do have a break in, in the fixtures this weekend. But, you know, for, for, for the league in general, it's down to nine teams now. You know, it would be great to have more teams for more competitive action. Are we going to see someone take Malone's place next season? Are we going to see maybe some more teams coming into the division to make it a lot more competitive? Could we see a division two brought into it? 
it'll be interesting to see. You know, there was very little from Malone's statement. There was very little coming out of it in terms of what's the main factor. I suppose it's definitely financial. It's probably one of the main reasons. Their men's team are still going to be in, in competition, but the women's team isn't. A couple of their women's players have since moved on to other teams in the division. Maybe that was already something that had happened and we didn't know it was already going on that a couple of them had left. So, you know, if they weren't, if they didn't have the squad numbers either, but it was definitely a, a huge blow. And I suppose the fixture headache that it's going to bring now, it's going to benefit some teams in if they have a couple of injuries that they could get a week off and come back in fully, you know, fully strength the week after. But, you know, for, I suppose, for the competitive nature of it, it did come with a bit of a, a, bit of a sucker blow, to be honest. It really did. And Dermot, thanks so much for, for the time today, uh, for coming to, to talk about the women's AL division. No worries at all, Luke. And one of the, the standout players in this uh, women's AIL division has been Ella Roberts. And I spoke to her earlier today. Joining us now is Leinster, Ireland and Wicklow fullback Ella Roberts. Ella, welcome to the Rugby Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> and the AIL season, it's in full flow now. Um, you've had two games so far. Uh, there has been two defeats, but against UL Bohemian, you did push them to the very end. And I was just wondering, uh, what have you made of the start of the season? Yeah, I think it's been really good, to be honest with you. I think we've turned a lot of heads already. I mean, we started off playing rock and then at halftime, we were only losing 12-10, which I mean, for us, it was just brilliant. And then even we kind of held on for the first 60 minutes of the game, but then we just kind of ran out of steam and there so used to playing at such a high intensity and we're obviously not because this is only our second kind of proper season in AIL and then they just ran in a good few tries but yeah it's been really really good and then our game against Bose I think was kind of the standout kind of moment for us as a team so far in like our AIL two seasons because I think finishing so close to a top 14 was just brilliant especially because we are so so new and then I think for us as players it did just give us that kind of confidence boost because I think even the start of last season didn't go great for us. And then to start this season, I know it's kind of been two defeats, but we had some really good performances. So I think that's what we're taking out of it anyway. Yeah, you, you really have. And like you mentioned there, last year was Wicklow's debut in the AIL. Um, I'm just wondering, what was the, the mood kind of like going into this season? Was it slightly different kind of knowing what you were getting yourselves into? Yeah, definitely. I think last season we really underestimated in a way how intense it actually was going to be like I think we were coming from division one and we were winning all our games and we were kind of winning them well and then to go into AIL and kind of get those first few defeats and then lose by so much really shocked us all but then this season we were a lot more prepared I suppose for the kind of intensity that's needed for AIL so that was kind of our approach really is just look we have nothing to lose we're a new team, relatively new to AIL. We're a young team as well. I mean, the average age, I think, is 22, which is insane for an AIL team. So, yeah, our approach is just kind of like, look, go in and fight, really. That's how we were kind of going about it. Yeah, and last year, they obviously introduced the, the top four series and, and then the conference leg of it as well. Um, how good do you think that is in building the game and how does it help the, the AIL teams to adapt? Yeah, so I think the thing with the conference and then the top four teams as well, like it's a bit of a catch-22 really, because on one hand you have the top four teams playing each other the whole time and they're playing at such a high intensity and then you have the conference, which is kind of the lower six teams, which obviously we were in, which was really, really good for us and if you are in kind of those lower six teams, but then you're not playing the higher teams, so you're not getting that kind of 
intensity week on week out kind of thing but yeah it was good for us because it did kind of give us a bit of time to settle in as well so it was good in that way kind of running up to this season but overall I don't think it's going to be continued really I think you have to have players playing at a high standard week in week out really yeah and obviously with one of the, the teams dropping out just a, a couple of weeks bef- before the season mm-hmm. started um did that have any impact on how you were maybe preparing and obviously not having a, a guaranteed game every week um yeah so I think Malone was due to be our second game so obviously we didn't actually end up taking the week off we played an internal game it was actually a siblings game I don't know if you saw it I think Wicker were kind of advertising it on their Instagram but we had enough for a sibling versus non-siblings game so that was good for us that we were able to kind of facilitate that but yeah Malone dropping out kind of last minute and they again were in bottom six with us so they're kind of one of the teams that we would have been focusing on to actually go and really try and get the win obviously you want to get the win in all games but Malone was one that we were really kind of targeting so obviously to have them gone it's not it's not a blow but I suppose we kind of had to rearrange our targets for the season then yeah absolutely and then a bit about your uh, your provincial career you made your debut against Connacht um off the bench in the Interpros last year um oh, yeah. I just what was your thoughts kind of entering the pitch was it a bit surreal or were you laid back getting on Oh my gosh, I was so nervous. I actually, one of the coaches came up to me before the game and he was like, Ella, just breathe. I've never seen anyone this nervous for a game before. And I mean, I knew I was a sub. And then usually when it is kind of your first cap, you do get on in the second half. So I was like, okay, I have the whole first half to kind of sort myself out almost. But yeah, I was so nervous. Oh my God. Even because I played uh, under 18s into pro spell and I'd started most of the games for that and I was nowhere near as nervous as I was <laughs> for the senior connect game and then also for the Ulster game as well when I ended up starting I was just a bag of nerves as well I ended up shaking and stuff and then I ended up playing really well so I mean I think nerves are a good thing <laughs> at the they end definitely of the are and, and you got the two tries against Ulster um in, the, in that game as well and when you were going over the line for your first uh senior provincial try what was going through your head I I couldn't really believe it, to be honest with you. I mean, I think what happened was, was it Molly or Jenny had ended up kicking it through and then I had picked it up and then ended up going around their fullback or something like that. But I remember when I was over the line, I couldn't believe it. And then I was like, is this actually happening? <laughs> like, on my first start. And then it was funny because, you know, it's kind of when you're looking up and you're looking at all your teammates. And then I saw a few of the Wicklow girls in the stands. I was like, you know, this is actually really special in a way. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I... that was brilliant. Yeah, it was fantastic and the great two tries that you got as well. And then things just kind of kept getting better and better. Uh, last autumn, you were then called into the, the Irish squad for the game against Japan. Um, and you spoke about kind of the nerves for, for the Leinster match. Um, and I, I'm like, it must have been way, way worse, was it, for, for that Irish match? Yeah, well, oh my gosh. It was kind of, the whole thing was really surreal to me because I had gone from just playing an under 18s into pro the year before to then making my senior into pro debut to then getting called into the Irish camp which was just unbelievable itself and then to actually make the squad was really good I know I didn't end up getting on in the game but even still just the whole build-up was just nothing like I've ever kind of experienced before obviously but yeah I was so nervous oh my gosh I remember I was trying to call my mom and I was like I need to just relax but no the manager Jen actually she was absolutely brilliant to me she was so so nice and then you also had some um, experience with, with the Irish Sevens over in Portugal at the start of the summer. And I'm just wondering, kind of, is the camp very different? Um, what's what's the vibe kind of like uh, around there compared to, let's say, the 15s? Um, yeah, it's all, like, 
it's very very professional to be fair to the girls like it is absolutely brilliant you know it is kind of the same structure really like you have your training team training and then you have analysis of training and then you have analysis of other teams as well and then everybody eats together and obviously you're all sharing a room so you are kind of in your own player bubble in a sense which I think is really really good but no the setups are obviously different because they're different games and that sort of thing and you're in different places but no everything is really professional and then you're just in your player bubble really and just kind of absorbing the whole thing and focusing on the games. And do you find yourself maybe drawn to the 15s or the 7s more and, and which would kind of uh, suit your play style more? See, that's that's a hard one to work out because I have only just kind of started sevens in the last year when I got called into kind of the development program last year. But no, I love things about both of them, really. I love the fact in sevens you're sprinting the whole time. I love sprinting. But then in sevens, I feel like you have to have that kind of extra level of fitness because you are sprinting the whole time. And then obviously I have asthma, so that's kind of something I struggle with as well. But then in 15s, it's like, you get to kick the ball a lot more and you can kind of take a step back when you're in full back and you have the backfield. Yeah, there's there's pros to both of them, really. It's, it's exactly. hard to answer that one. <laughs> yeah, keep the foot in both doors anyway, definitely. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And then after the um, the sevens uh, in July, you were named Leinster Young Player of the Year. That must have been a, a, a huge day for you and your family. And, and what was that like? Yeah, that was absolutely fantastic. I didn't actually expect it at all. I remember at the actual dinner, they were announcing um, Young Player of the Year and then one of the other girls, Alice Adele, she was like, Ella, that's you. And I was like, that's not me. Will you stop? And then next thing you know, I was up on the big screen and yeah, I nearly felt like crying, but I actually didn't. I, I kept myself together. But yeah, that was brilliant. And then I think just the support I've gotten from Wicklow especially and then even just people all over Leinster. I mean, that was the one thing I couldn't believe. Like all the messages I was getting, it was, it was really, really lovely. And where does that kind of achievement rank in, in your career so far? Because it, it is a huge one. I, I saw yourself and, and Dan Sheen picture just the, the two young players of the year. And, and, where, <laughs> yeah. where, and where, where does that kind of rank over over your short career so far? Um, definitely one of the top ones anyway. I think, you know, um, it's one thing kind of making your debut and then having a good performance, but then actually getting recognised for that performance. And obviously, like I have had such a short career so far. But yeah, that's it's definitely one of the top two anyway. <laughs> and then um, with women's rugby in general, I think the, it's moving in the right direction. And the IRFU recently announced that they're going to be bringing in professional contracts for some of the 15s players. Um, I'm just wondering, do you think how good of a step that is for, for women's rugby and, and what the future kind of holds um, with that? Yeah, look, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I think it's been a long time coming. I mean, it's some of the sacrifices some of the women that have made, even over the last 10 years, is just unbelievable. And I think now to finally get the chance to actually be a professional rugby player and have it as your full-time career and you're getting, you know, enough kind of pay that you can manage all your expenses and everything. Because, like, I mean, for Leinster last year, a lot of us weren't even getting diesel money. And then, you know, when you live in the likes of Wicklow and then training is in North Dublin or you live in Wexford it's just it's a long commute and they're the kind of sacrifices I mean that's only like skimming the top of what people have sacrificed so yeah I think it's been a long time coming and I think it's going to be so good for the game really I mean the likes of England um are so far ahead of us just at the moment because they've been professional for a while longer than we have so yeah I think once we go professional and then we have like the dedicated resources and time and money to the game to the women's game in Ireland it's going to be so good but then on the other hand 
it's kind of like what's going to happen to the club game then like are these internationals going to be released for the club and if not what's their club going to do but then I think you kind of have to learn from the men as well in that sense I mean when the men first were kind of going pro and getting contracts everybody thought what about the club game and then the club game is still really really good now in Ireland so yeah I think long term it's it's definitely the right move and you're also still studying at the moment as well and how hard is it to juggle the rugby and the training with a number of teams and then while trying to be a a full-time student as well yeah that was the one thing I kind of struggled with especially last year and Trinity have been so supportive and so the IRFU and like over it all I'm in final year physio now so yeah I think going into final year it is just got to be a bit of an extra stress but again the IRFU are so supportive as well but the one thing is just trying to find the time for everything and then just making sure you don't burn out I mean like I was so organized last year I mean I'm an organized person anyway but I think to kind of be able to do training with different teams and do full-time college and if you're on placement at the same time you have to be organized so I think that's one thing I am is organized now <laughs> thanks to it all <laughs> you, yeah you really do have to be and just before we wrap things up we like to do a, a bit of a quick fire round here on the rugby show and um, so I might say a, a couple of things to you and you're just going to say maybe the, the player that comes to your head okay perfect right I'll try my best <laughs> <laughs> so if I was to ask you who's the, the best passer that you played with um, who would you say to me uh, Lucy Mulhall definitely um, best kicker best kicker Oh, that's a tough one. I nearly would say Lucy Mulhall, but I mean, I'd love to say my sister Beth as well. I think she's got a fantastic boot on her, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> uh, best tackler? Uh, Vicky Kinlan, definitely one of the girls on the Wicklow team. She's on the sevens as well, but oh my gosh, if you've seen her tackle, she's brilliant. Uh, the best leader? The best leader? Probably Senene Opu. She's fantastic. Any questions you have, go to her. And then finally, um, an idol that you, you might have had in the rugby world when you were growing up? Um, ooh, probably Neve Briggs, actually. She was definitely one I used to always watch, and I used to just think she's brilliant. I still do. <laughs> <laughs> Ella, uh, thanks so much for joining us here today. Um, and I'm afraid that is all that we have time for on today's show. But make sure to tune in next Wednesday at 8pm for another Stacked Show.